Are you tired of being told what to think and how to act? Well, you are not alone. In case you haven't realized it, you have an internal GPS. It knows all you need to know about how to live your life. So it's about time you stopped letting the media and the government tell you what is true for you. In fact, it is exactly that time. It's time to think for yourself. And here to make sure you're doing just that is your host, mediator, author, and lawyer, Carol Gold. Hi, it's Tuesday, May 12th. I'm Carol Gold, and welcome to Think for Yourself. A brief apology for having missed yesterday's uh, podcast, but I simply couldn't get back to the studio in time to record or to podcast, so here I am. I'm going to talk about consequences, and I'm going to talk about a few other things as well, but particularly I want to start with consequences, because a world without consequences is a world of self-destruction, a world without consequences, a world without personal responsibility for action or inaction, is a world of unbridled chaos. And I want to give some examples of why I say what I say about consequences and personal responsibility. If you give your word that you're going to do something, the moment you say it, You set in motion events in the universe that begin to rely on that which you said you would do. It's a metaphysical teaching, actually, in mystical Judaism, in Kabbalah, that that is the case. And that the way we we perpetuate or we exacerbate chaos in the world, the kind of, not good chaos, not the chaos of change, but the chaos of I would say the chaos that creates panic, that creates instability to the degree of destruction, that kind of chaos. What happens when you give your word, it isn't just a matter of saying literally an oath or a pledge. It's whenever you say you're going to do something. If you tell a friend you're going to meet them at five o'clock at such and such a location, that other person to whom you said that, to whom you made that statement, it has become real to them. And they begin to do things in their own lives that are predicated on the fact that at five o'clock on a certain day, they need to be at a certain location because that's where you're going to meet them. And if you don't show up, or if you show up four hours later and you don't bother to let them know you're simply not on the same priority time schedule that you've set them up to be relying upon, this is where the problems in our world are often created. If your friend allows you to do that to them over and over again without voicing their objection and raising the issue of mutual self-respect, then your bad behavior has no consequence. If you allow illegals to cross into our southern border in what can only be termed as an invasion because over 200,000 were caught here last month in Texas, just caught, that's not how many got away, right? If you allow them to keep coming in and you give them cell phones and bus fare and spending money and there's no obligation to the consequences of the legal system for having violated the laws of the United States, then you encourage that behavior and those people have no reason to stop and others who are observing that behavior and the lack of consequence thereof have no reason not to come. 
If we have politicians who continue to lie to us, who tell us one thing and then either do another or through their inaction, create the opposite of what they quote, promise they would do, then if we continue to support them, reelect them, not raise our voices in opposition to their manipulation of our vote, why do they have a reason to stop? When President Biden said he was going to be a uniting president, when he was going to be a uniter, not a divider, and I heard him this week call out the ultra-MAGA crowd, he's talking about half the country because those MAGA people voted for Donald Trump Half the country voted for Donald Trump. So the president who promised us uniting is giving us the ultimate form of division. Yet there's no consequence. Why should he stop? Why should other politicians who make promises in order to get elected and then fail to live up to them? Why should they stop? There's no consequence. We remain silent and we vote them in again and again and again. The Mitch McConnells. If you break U.S. law and there is no consequence for breaking the law, not only is there no point in having the law, there's no incentive not to break the law. So in case you didn't know, Section 18 of the U.S. Code, Section 1507, prohibits pickets or parades at any judge's residence with the intent of influencing a jurist in the discharge of his duties. Okay, well then, if a group of people show up in front of Samuel Alito's home or Brett Kavanaugh's home or Amy Coney Barrett's home for the express purpose of influencing their opinion in the Dobbs case that addresses the issue of Roe v. Wade, that's a violation of 18 U.S.C. section 1507. But if those people aren't arrested, tried, and convicted, or fined, whatever the consequence is of that section of the U.S. Code, why should they stop? Or why should anyone else stop? But more importantly, without a consequence for violating the law, again, why have the law and why not break it? This isn't a left or right issue. This is not left or right. I am not laying out an argument for either side of the political spectrum. This is collusion across the board, corruption across the board, failure to live up to the integrity of the oaths taken, failure by corporate America's CEOs and boards of directors to keep first and foremost in their mind not only the integrity of their product or service, but their fiduciary duty, which is first and foremost, not their social, equitable, or sustainability duty. There is no such thing. And yet that's what's happening there because there's no consequence for deviating from the bylaws and the legal restrictions, meaning fiduciary duty, that these people have to their shareholders. So they're now in bed with government, which we know is corrupt, and they're all on the bandwagon of diversity, equity, inclusion, sustainability, ESG scores, environmental sustainability, and government scores. They're all on board without a consequence. We keep investing in their companies. We keep buying their products. We keep voting those politicians back into office.
This isn't about left or right. This is about a managerial class, a bureaucracy, a corptocracy, and in government, what we refer to as the deep state, all of the above, managerial class, bureaucracy, corptocracy, deep state, this transcends partisanship. It transcends nationalism because this same thing is happening globally. It's happening all throughout the EU. It's not only happening here. The tragedy of here is the lack of consequences here will lead to the demise of that which has always held the rest of the world together, at least for the last 100, 200 years. When we go, when the United States goes, it all goes because we've always been what comes to the rescue of these kinds of intrusions into personal freedom around the world. Dictatorships, autocracies, monarchies, totalitarianism, Nazism, fascism, socialism, communism. We've always been the ones on the white horse riding to the rescue. I'm not saying we haven't done bad things. I'm not, I I would never say that. I would never say there wasn't racism in America. I would never say we never went into a foreign land and, and upset a governing body or a leader of a country, sometimes for the good and sometimes not for the good. But that's overall not who we are. We've done more good than harm. There's no question about it. The standard of living around the world because of what democracy and capitalism have allowed to have happen here has raised that standard across the globe. When we go, it all goes. It transcends partisanship and it transcends nationalism. This is a human struggle. The inflection point I talked about in a prior podcast, you know, Joe Biden talked about it at the UN. He was talking about it in terms of international trade and commerce in general and political entities. No, no. This is an inflection point between the individual and the collective. This is an inflection point for thinking for yourself versus abdicating your natural free will. That's where we are. That's the inflection point. And my question is, why are we waiting for government to do something? Why do we accept this new normal, which is anything but normal? You know, there are individuals who are acting as individuals. Elon Musk, Vivek Ramaswamy. If you don't don't know who Vivek Ramaswamy is, he's an entrepreneur in healthcare and technology. And he's also a political commentator. Um, I believe he's a New York Times bestselling author. He wrote a book called Woke Inc. The reason I mention him as an individual and doing something about it, bucking the system the same way Musk is in some ways. He's not perfect either. No one is. You can always point to where someone has fallen short. But overall, Elon Musk has changed the trajectory of humanity's future with what he's doing and what he will continue to do. Ramaswamy, he's launching a new financial investment firm that will focus on, quote, excellence in capitalism rather than on encouraging American corporations to get involved in this social or environmental or sustainable or justice issues. He's actually going up against BlackRock. BlackRock is the most influential hedge fund in the world. It is deeply involved in everything we are doing in our government. It is driving much of what this current administration is doing. 
It's a bad actor. It's also buying up all the housing market across the country with cash, outbidding every single individual who's trying to buy a home because BlackRock has cash and they can offer above list price. And the reason they're doing it is because they want to buy up all the housing. So you and I wind up renters. We wind up enslaved to their ownership. Ramaswamy is going out on a limb and starting his own financial investment company. He's got people from Goldman, from Merrill, from Morgan Stanley, from these companies who are reaching out to him and saying, yeah, I'll jump ship as soon as you're ready for me to come there because I'm sick of what's happening in my particular institution, whether it's Goldman or Merrill or Vanguard or whoever it is. So what is the solution? The solution is what we see in an Elon Musk or a Vivek Ramaswamy. The solution is self-reliance. You know, there's an essay on self-reliance. It was written by Ralph Waldo Emerson. If this was 30 years ago, I now wouldn't have to tell you who Ralph Waldo Emerson is. But I can only assume that since we're graduating students who don't even know the basics of fundamentals, English, and math, that the odds of most people listening who are under the age of 40 knowing who he is is slim to none. Ralph Waldo Emerson was an American essayist. He was a lecturer, a philosopher. He was also an abolitionist and a poet. And he wrote this essay that I referenced on reliance, on self-reliance. And he said in it that it was important for the individual to follow their own inner guidance as opposed to conforming to social expectations. He also said that following one's own inner voice rather than anyone else's, not just social expectations, but just even people who were close to you, more important to follow one's own voice. But also, he said, to be honest in your relationships. And when you put those two together, by the way, when you put following your own inner voice other than someone else's, but when you combine that with being honest in your relationships, and I would add respectful in your relationships, then you don't just get your own truth and to do what you want whenever you want without consequence. Because like I said at the beginning of the podcast, Once you tell someone something, you set into motion a chain of events that are in reliance upon what it is you said. The other thing that Emerson did was he led what was called at the time the Transcendental Movement. We're talking about the 1820s to the 1830s. Transcendentalism was based on the inherent goodness of people, and it taught that society and institutions corrupt the individual. They corrupt that inherent goodness. But the people are at their best when they are self-reliant and when they are independent. I think it's a message that resonates now, perhaps more than any other point in my lifetime. And it is in many ways the reason I wrote my book that is on Amazon, The Questions God Will Ask, Prepping for the Final Exam. I almost never talk about the book on the podcast. I don't know why. I guess it's bad marketing on my part. I guess if anyone who has a podcast and doesn't talk about their own book isn't doing their job in a sense. 
But I'm going to talk about it briefly on this podcast because I think it resonates along with what Emerson and Transcendentalism was teaching, but goes even further because my book tells you how to know if you're being self-reliant, how to know if you're on track for your own inner guidance, but also how to know it with respect and the integrity around your relationships. In my book, The Questions God Will Ask, Prepping for the Final Exam, and in hindsight, I wish I had had a different subtitle. I wish I had called it The Questions God Will Ask, A Pathway to Self-Reliance. In that book, I talk about what energy is and how energy is in everything and is at the core of everything, including us, and that how we use energy is key to the world we create and the life we live. And the example I often give, and I give it in the book, is that if I use my energy, the amount of energy, I call it a quantum, that we're all given at birth, a packet of energy we're given to use in our lifetime, if I use it to hate you or begrudge you or be envious of you or resentful of you, I'm using my energy incorrectly. And I will experience, hopefully, the consequences of that misuse of energy, which will be very negative in terms of relationships and the quality of life that I live. But if I use that same energy to love you, to respect you, to have empathy and compassion for you, to support you in your highest good, then I get to live those consequences because that energy goes out into the universe and it has a rippling effect. And ultimately, because we're all connected and eventually because it all filters out and then filters back in like a boomerang effect, I will also reap the benefits of the correct use of energy. And the other example I often give is, if you can't understand it in terms of human behavior, think about any American appliance. If it's calibrated to 110 and you plug it into a 110 outlet, your appliance is going to work. But if you take that same 110 appliance and you take it to Europe, and you plug it into a 220 or a 230 outlet, it's going to break the circuit and blow the appliance because you're misusing the energy. Well, in my original example of human behavior, we're the appliance and our behavior is the circuit. And when we behave badly, when we use energy incorrectly, which is really what it is, it's not bad behavior, it's the misuse of energy, we wind up creating havoc in our own lives and suffer the consequences of that misuse. So how do you know if you're on track? How do you know if you're using energy correctly? In the book, it lays out 12 principles. Each one of them has a name. One of the principles, the sixth principle is courage. And after defining courage and giving a story about how courage plays out in each of our lives, I break down the definition into three parts. And for each part, there's a question. So here are the three questions you would ask yourself to know if you're being courageous in your own life. Question number one, have I been courageous enough to ask the questions that need to be asked when I feel integrity lacking in myself or a situation? Question number two, have I become comfortable with stagnation? And if so, what action can I take now to jumpstart new growth? And third, am I clinging to ideas, people, or things because I lack trust in a loving creator greater than myself that will guide 
and sustain me? The importance of these questions is that when you stop and ask yourself, if you're struggling with courage or you're struggling with forgiveness or you're struggling with love or knowing or allowing or creativity or gratitude or any of the other principles in the book, when you're struggling with that principle in your own life, when you ask yourself the three questions that are tied to each one of those principles, you will know exactly where you stand on what I call that frequency of energy, where you stand on that frequency of that particular principle. And if you come up with answers that you're not comfortable with, well, then that lets you know that you need to adjust how you're living, how you're using your energy or more forgiving or more loving or more allowing or any of the other principles. In my last podcast, I think I ended, but I talked probably midway through till the end about inspiration. Inspiration is key to our survival right now. There are examples of inspiration out there. I mentioned two of them earlier, Elon Musk and Vivek Ramaswamy. Why? Because they are self-reliant. They are self-motivated. They are listening to their inner voices And they are not allowing the collective, the pressure of social media, mainstream media, governmental oppression. They're not letting any of it get in their way. They've got their heads down and they're butting through it. Albert Einstein, originally a German citizen who grew up in New Europe, not the United States, when he came here, which was only to be for a few years, only he never went back because of the rise of Adolf Hitler, Einstein said about us Americans the following, the American lives even more for his goals for the future than the European. Life for him is always becoming, never being. That's what we've forgotten. We have forgotten that we are in process of becoming. We are responsible for what we become. We are responsible for the consequences that flow from our actions, and we are responsible for holding others, be they individuals or organizations or governmental entities, private sector or public, I don't really care, individual or group, I don't really care, holding people to the consequences of their actions. And if those consequences break law, then the consequences are written into the law. And it's up to us to keep us on track and making sure that we are all responsible for what we do and experience the consequences of our actions or our inactions. We have to become inspired, not fearful. Inspired, not complacent. Inspired, not enslavement inspired, not apathetic, inspired, not angry, inspired, not victim mentality. You know, in the mid 20th century in this country, country clubs, most of them were basically Christian in their founding and private country clubs where people went for socialization. And most of them had a policy of no Jews allowed. Jews didn't protest, they didn't demand entry, they didn't scream or picket outside, they didn't demand equity, diversity, or inclusion. You know what they did? They built their own country clubs. 
and they built them big and they built them beautiful and they built them proud. That's becoming inspired. It's working from within, creating that which someone else is attempting to deny you, not forcing them to accept you against their will. If enough of us, if enough of us come from a place of inspiration and think about what that word is, it's the spirit within, in spiritus, inspiration. It is to access within you, your own divinity, your own ability to create anew, your own ability to use your free will and the energy you've been given, that quantum to put those two things together while they still exist. Free will is a human right given by God, not to be taken by others. But every day that we are fearful and complacent and enslaved and apathetic and angry and scream that we're victims, instead of becoming inspired, every day that we do that, we come closer to abdicating something much more important than personal responsibility. We come dangerously close to abdicating our God-given free will. Be inspired so that you can inspire others. Thanks for listening. I'm Carol Gold. I'll be back here probably tomorrow. My normal day is Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and tomorrow's Wednesday. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to Think for Yourself. And until I'm back here again, please do think for yourself. Carol thanks you for spending your valuable time with her. It is her mission to empower you to remember how smart and capable you are. Be sure to check out Carol's website, carolgold.com. That's Carol with an E, gold.com. Please leave a review and subscribe here so you'll be alerted to Carol's next podcast. Until then, above all else, remember, it's time to think for yourself.